Oh, you know the deal. You know how much I love and adore that song. It's called Sugar My. You must Google it. Look it up on YouTube. You got to watch that full video. Every time I hear this song, it just gets me going. I promise you, you're going to love the song. It's called Sugar My. By the way, it's Josh Carey here, right here on 710WOR, the voice of New York. And guess what? Anytime you wish, check it out on that iHeartRadio app. It's your on-demand source for anything and everything you care about, including what's gonna happen right here, right now. I'm sitting down with a fellow person from my home state, the great garden state of New Jersey, of course. I'm here with Mike Parker, and I gotta tell you, I'm so inspired because I'm literally brought back to my childhood. One of the things that I almost forgot about was how much I used to adore and watch pro wrestling. I started and stopped watching in the 80s, which is something we spoke about. So that's really where all of my insight begins and ends in the 80s. But boy, was that a great era for wrestling. Mike is the founder of the Pro Wrestling Mini Museum. As we're going to hear, a lot of these physical pro wrestling museums are just dying out for whatever reason. And Mike is here to to really keep this alive. First of all, Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, glad to be here. So I love talking with people like you who just have a passion for something. And I know wrestling is, a, is really a massive industry. Tell me what was that first moment going back to, I think since mid eighties is when you first discovered wrestling. Take me back to that day that sort of set you on this trajectory. What were you watching? What was it like? How did you feel? What happened? Oh, basically, there was a lot of hype. This was 1985, and this was going into the first WrestleMania, and there was hype everywhere. So it would be hard-pressed for me to say which thing I saw, but you had Hulk Hogan and Mr. T was like the biggest star in the world. And he was involved. So I probably saw something along those lines. And they were uh, at some point mentioned when the show was, you know, in the local markets, because every uh, market, different time, different channel. And I started watching it and I just fell in love with it. Um, The over the top personalities, but these are real people. Unlike, uh, like, say, a cartoon where it's all, you know, animation. And yeah. I mean, these are real people with their personalities obviously turned up to, like, 10. And you had the, the good guys and the bad guys. Oh, yeah. It was, you know, I don't want to say it was too over. It was, like, just, it was over the top, but not so much that it took you out of it. Especially when you're at a younger age. Yeah. And, you know, when there were, then the, the toys came out, I just got sucked into it. There's people, you know, they just watch it and they fall in love with it and they're good or bad, they're hooked for life. 
And now, yeah, I mean, it's entertainment. It's full blown Hollywood entertainment, right? In a lot of ways, it would be our Saturday full day morning and afternoon entertainment. Watching these people, um, I mean, these, like you said, larger than life characters. I don't even know if I knew back then that the whole thing was an act and it was staged. Yeah, I didn't, obviously, I didn't know uh, right away, but I was, I was young. I was like 13, but I was still old enough that it didn't take that long. You know, it took maybe six months, possibly a year until I kind of figured it out. Or even if some, somebody told me and I, and I kind of put everything together. Because mm -hmm. some people, you know, they start watching, gosh, when they're like six and something, and they would never know. But I was old enough that I kind of got the gist. But it didn't, did not diminish my enjoyment one bit. Mm. Especially because, you know... Yes, it's predetermined, but you could tell these guys are athletes. This stuff, well, even if they know how to do it, you could tell their moves and these hurt. This oh, yeah. Yeah, you still have to be trained, even though it was fake and staged or whatever. I mean, I still watch, like, I'll come across it today, and I'm like, I don't even know. Like, that looks like it would hurt. Like, it, I, I don't know, but it's all good. It's, it's all good. So you have this, as you call it, the Pro Wrestling Mini Museum, um, over 200 collected pieces at this point. What was the very first piece you remember getting? First piece I remember getting, um, I want to say it was around 1986. It was actually two at the same time. My dad took me to the racetrack where Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Big John Studd were, of all things, guest jockeys. And what we're doing on the horse. Well, you not like, you know, no, it's not like horseback riding. There's a car, yeah. but yeah. And they were signing autographs and my dad knew cause he was, a, he knew I liked wrestling and he was a big horse racing fan. So kind of naturally took me and those were the first two autographs I got. And it just evolved from there. And I know that you. You used to go to a real in-person museum, and then in, uh, what was it, in 2015, they, they were liquidating, in a sense? Uh, in 2018, um, the, the gentleman was getting older. I've heard different things about them raising the rents in the mall, but basically, he said, look, I'm getting older and he had to be, it was in an antique mall. So it was open on the weekends mm. and he'd have to be there like all weekend. He's like, Hey, I want to spend time with my grandkids, all that. And it's not like he had room for this collection in his house. He was selling it off and me at the same time, like, Hey, I want to keep this going. And I didn't even think about it being online at the time. I want to keep it going for me. And. I already had a wall of stuff and he would let you, when he announced it, he said, you fill out a request form and if you're first, you can buy these items. And I actually wish I could have bought more, but hey, there's a budget. So I bought like four items. I needed another wall at that point and it just evolved from there to where it's like a whole floor now. What's one of your most coveted, proud pieces that would be a 
sensational sherry dress from 1989 that was used on a Saturday night's main event. Wow. So now you have all of these documented and listed available online. Digital. Everything. The only thing that is incomplete are my eight by 10 photos because I, the big ones I have up there, but I've been doing it for so long. I've got stuff in binders. Mm. still has to go up. But as far as all the, the, the big name pieces that are signed and the ring worn, all your bigger stuff is, is all cataloged and on the website. So somebody who's listening, who is a fan, who loves pro wrestling, who wants to look at this mini museum you have, what, what should they prepare themselves for? If they're listening and they have yet to still go to the website or follow you on social, what are they really going to experience? What are they, what, what's going to blow them away that uh, they're going to see? Well, they may experience overload. So I would say, hey, go into it with, because I have it set up with different dedicated displays. So you might want to start with like, hey, the 80s classic WWF. I have a section for that. Start there. And, you know, it's like go in with, with what you like and just be prepared to see anything and everything. The ring gear. Uh, the, the magazines were real big back then. I have a lot of magazines that are signed by the stars, some of which are fortunately no longer with us. Hmm. But, you know, if you want to, like, you know, a big name, Rowdy Roddy Piper, if you want to see the signed stuff, and he's no longer with us, I, I got that. You know, um, I've got um, a magazine where they had a, the cover was a dream match between Hulk Hogan and Bruno San Martino, and that's actually signed by both and i got that from that museum that closed so i kind of took that over with me what's your what's your fondest memory of a real meeting interaction with one of your uh favorite stars i would say just as far as a uh, fond memory it's kind of more modern um, there's a, a female wrestler named Velvet Sky, seen her tons of times, never said anything to her. And finally, the one time I said, look, you know, I've, I've been to these signings. I've seen you a bunch of times and I just wanted to tell you, I always enjoy when you're on TV and everything. And she jumped up and gave me a big hug. And that was so cool. Wow. That was a good moment. Uh, I know you're, you're, you're the expert, right? In this industry. I said that, I mean, the eighties were longer ago than I care to admit. It's crazy how, you know, when you realize sometimes I think the eighties were like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, but not the case, which just sort of shows how fast all this is moving. So my experience is to and from the eighties. I, I loved that era. It's the only era I knew. What was What's the difference? How has the industry evolved, changed, adjusted, reacted, progressed through the decades? Um, you've got, um, excuse me, it's skewed a lot now towards more of a TV product. Whereas back then the model was 
get people to watch TV, advertise in the local markets, and get them to come to the local arena to see the shows. And then a few years into it, when they had pay-per-view, get them to buy the pay-per-views. And that's where all the revenue came in, where today everything is about getting people to basically the end game is the TV shows and getting them to subscribe to the streaming service and also obviously to attend the TV shows, which have a much higher price tag than these arena shows did back in the day. I mean, I feel bad for someone who like wants to take their family and get a decent seat. Oh, it's like any other um, entertainment production, right? It's, it's, it's maddening how much it is. Yeah, so it's changing in that way. Um, it's definitely more about the whole. It's almost like it's more about the group itself than having all these main event wrestlers. It's like they, they only have a few people on top right now. Then mm. it drops to where back then, you could name so many guys. You had Hulk Hogan. You had Roddy Piper. You had the Macho Man. Uh, you know, if you want to go into it, it's almost right into 1990. They brought in The Undertaker. He became a oh, huge star. The Rock was when? In the Rock. Millennium? <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. So they used to have all these. Now they kind of have a handful. Oh, really? And then you see a lot of these people actually go on to be like movie stars like The Rock. Yeah. John Cena now. I know we're talking about the 80s, but this no. is how things have, have, have changed. Yeah. With it being more entertainment and more production-based. Which and, really did somewhat start in the 80s when they had Saturday Night's main event and they were on NBC. That's the first time where they're like, NBC was like, hey, we have to have a bit better production here. And that's the first time where the production really came in. Yeah. Do you find that um, the the fans are people like you and me who are aging through the decades with the entertainment and are are, are they attracting uh, all generations still? The, the younger, are they, they absorbing all this? I think they attract more of a younger generation because a lot of people watched in the 80s, especially people watched in the South because it was a very different product. Um, you know, it just, it doesn't feel the same to them. And once that happened, and there was a yeah. big dip in the early 90s, almost a crash with wrestling. We're like, hey, this isn't what I grew up with. It's not for me anymore. So they have attracted more of a younger demographic. I do see that on social media. Most of the people I meet are younger than me. So you do still have the diehards, but I think they're a lesser percentage of the audience. And you'll hear that a lot whenever I hear about the stream. You'll say, you know, nowhere near as many people are watching the older material, which is out there, as watch the current things. So you, I can see on the video, and I know our listeners don't have that vantage point, and, and, and you alluded to some of this. I want to get a scope of the kinds of things in this collection. Obviously, you have autographed pictures and magazines. 
but what are some of the, and, and action figures, what are some of the other exciting categories of pieces that are either uh, intriguing, less common, less known? What can we expect? The, I call these the featured items on the website, and that's going to be primarily your ring-worn gear. It is, you know, I'll be blunt, it's largely, it's not cheap to get your hands on. Of course me. And I have to have a budget for that, but you know, I have actually from the eighties, I've got two things. One, uh, the more well-known thing would be from Brutus Beefcake. He was a big guy in the eighties. I remember him. Of his armbands that he was selling at a virtual signing. So I do have those. Um, I do have the Sherry dress. Um, if you go little more modern. I have one of the Bella Twins capes. Mm. I have, as far as different stuff, I actually have from someone named Missy hired her, basically her schedule that they gave her in Texas wow. of all the different towns she was going to. And on the back of the sheet, it has all the numbers from people who were in the office and who to call. Wow for each thing. So that's a unique thing. You know, I have some, some pins, things like that. Like I said, Are, yeah, everything you can think of. And you find yourself, um, uh, communicating and engaging with other, other super fans on this. You guys talk, talk shop, you talk about your stuff. Mostly, um, yeah, there's that talk online face to face. It will be mostly at conventions because that's where you have your congregation of what you would say are your super fans. So I've met a lot of people through there, both older fans and newer, but I, I definitely meet that demographic who's been watching for a long time at the conventions, especially when there's like, there's something called eighties wrestling con. You've got your older people there. They have another one called the gathering in North Carolina. You got your older names there. So that's where I'm really meeting those people have been watching forever. Even people who have dropped off because they still go to these conventions to see all these people they grew up with. So you, you started this just as a collector right and then at some point Correct. in the recent past you realize wait a minute there is something that i can do with this collection what happened there um well i had i had done other websites previously nothing to do with wrestling and i kind of you know i was done with that and then uh basically I decide, hmm, what if I put this online because this other museum, like I said, it closed and shared this with other fans because there, I heard from a lot of people, I used to love to go there or at the time there was one in Texas, I can't go to Texas. And not too long after I started, then COVID hit. They hit. I really couldn't see anything. And... It was just my way to say, hey, I'm happy to share all my things. Because, again, there are people like, nope, I'm not telling you what I have. I'm not showing it to you, which I think is kind of dull for me. I don't, I wouldn't want to just lock something away in a closet. 
So I was like, Hey, I have a great collection. I want to share it with everybody. You can come to this site. You can see it anytime you want. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Just log on, check it out. What do you do, Mike, when you're not tending to the wrestling portion of your life? Like work or just hobbies or? Let's start with work. Oh, uh, work. I, I work for a wine distributor doing inventory control. Interesting. And there's no over overlap or flow into these two worlds, right? You have that mic and then you have the wrestling mic. Yeah. I mean, there's a few, I have an office. There's a few pictures in my office, not too much, not going to overdo it, but that's about as much as the overlap goes. And tell me about the social platforms. Where, where are you putting out content? Where can people engage with you? On Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, I'm at PW Museum. And at Twitter, I'm at PW Museum 1 because it's very hard to get the exact name you want on Twitter, unfortunately. Everywhere else, I was able to do it. But I'm on all those platforms very actively. Yes, and um, before we, we started here uh, on today's show, I... I was deep into your socials and it, it's fascinating. I see the engagement. I see what you're up to. Where, where's your vision? Are you going day by day or do you have like a next step that you really are aspiring to or moving towards that you can tell us about? Um, I would say it is kind of a day by day thing, but I, I want to grow and I want this to be known because there aren't many yeah. physical museums left and they're very limited and i want this to be known basically as a real museum it's basically just growing and i want as many wrestling fans to know about this as possible and there are things that can come out of that you know on the other side for me but right now i'm just looking to grow and get the awareness out there yeah and that's what we're here for as well and you're hoping to, um, sooner than later, there's going to be a, a merchandise? Um, if the following is there, I, cause I've seen people do that without enough following and it's unfortunately for them wasted money. So I need to see that there's a call for it, but I would like to also, uh, say there's a lot of companies that do wrestling stuff that sell figures and other materials, basically do brand collaborations with other, other entities. That's really what I'd like to do. Um, again, if the, if the call's there for merch, but I want to do the brand collaborations, I want to get on bigger and bigger outlets. That's, that's a goal because that's, it's a, the wrestling bubble is weird in that way. In that you have a lot of podcasts, but they want to basically get wrestlers. But yet, if you go to a lot of wrestler social media, except for like your tippy top outlets, they don't want to do podcasts. So you find yourself in a weird space when you're, you know, doing what I do. Hmm. 
Have you felt that this gave you, um, cause you've been at this, not necessarily the museum, but you've been at the collection for decades, literally, has this been a top of mind focus all these years, your entire adult life? Yeah. Wrestling is like I said, I fell in love with it. It's a comfort for me. Um, even back then with the number of hours that were on it, it does become like, it's almost, it's just short of being all consuming because there's just so much content and there almost always has been. And if you really want to keep up, but, but again, I enjoy it. I don't clearly feel like I'm being forced to do any of this. Oh, of course. What are you most proud of, whether it's a piece or an accomplishment in this industry and environment? What are you most proud of, Mike? Um, I would say the fact that through the efforts that I have made, I do have a lot of well-known wrestlers that do follow me on a lot of the socials. I put a lot of work into that and it paid off. Now, I'm not sitting there hitting them up because it's not proper to say, hey, plug my museum every two minutes. But just to show me that support and be able, again, to have this be a real thing, say, look, look at these people who are in the industry who are following me. It's like, what bigger endorsement can you get than that? Mike, that is, I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. I, that's. I, I, I love that answer because I said, what are you most proud of? And it's, it's an interesting response, but, uh, not, not, not anything that's uh, surprising. You have pro wrestler names, people that you admire and have watched and are fans of, right? They follow you as per this museum on social. Correct. And this was before now you've got this whole, this whatever you want to call it going on with Twitter before anybody could get verified. Yeah. Push that to the side, but basically people who were notable and verified the old way. Prior. Right, right, right. Of them. So fantastic. I would say it last time I checked, I haven't checked recently, but it was around a hundred wrestlers and personalities that I had. Uh, following me on social media. Mm, that's, it's wonderful. So again, uh, for, for the person listening, you want to head over to your favorite social platform and, uh, basically look up the user PW museum or PW museum one, if you're on Twitter, right. But otherwise exactly. PW museum, all connected, all one on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And that's where you will um, be able to check out the social platforms. You can then find links to the actual museum there. But make sure to engage. What do you want to say to the listener who's, um, who's about to come over to the social? What do you want them to do? Um, I've actually made some changes recently, good changes, where I will not too long, but I will post classic clips. So. Certainly you can see that kind of stuff. I was a little weary of doing that because of obviously copyrights and stuff like that, but there's so much out there. I said, okay, I guess if you're, it, it looks to me that 
if you're not posting anything too long and it's not current, it seems to go under the radar because they probably just don't have the energy. But I try to, again, keep, I'm not going overboard. I keep them, you know, two minutes tops would be a long clip for me. But I try to make it the, like a highlight reel. I don't know, if before 85, but it's a famous segment. Like I put up Roddy Piper hitting Jimmy Snucker with the coconut. So that's. The name. I, I put up um, Mr. Perfect throwing the football to himself. It's another classic one. So I try to make it some history too, not just because before it was just like, here's my collection. Uh, sometimes I'll just put up uh, wrestler birthdays, which I think is yeah. cool. It should be like, oh, I didn't even know it was this person's birthday today. I don't do that every day because it would get boring content-wise, but I mix it up. There you go. Wrestling fans, this one is for you. PW Museum on your social platforms. Check out the Pro Wrestling Museum by founder Mike Parker. You are not going to be disappointed. It's nostalgia if you want to get back into it, like I experienced. When, uh, when we're done here, I am going back into all of this, again, because I grew up. So it's just like a portion of my childhood revisited. So thank you, Mike, for doing this. Uh, on behalf of all the fans, I can't imagine how a true fan, which I wouldn't consider myself, just because I left the 80s, but it's a great memory for me. So thank you for being you. Thank you for doing this. PW Museum, the Pro Wrestling Museum. Mike, thanks for sitting down with us today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. And there you go, dear listener. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know what happens next. Keep in touch. Send me those emails. Keep those notes coming in. I love reading them. We're going to do this again before too long. Take care. Be well.